You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode number 60 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Job Creators. Job Creators is a New York-based psychedelic rock duo consisting of a bassist armed with audio samples and a synth-playing drummer. Originating in the greater Boston music scene, they've played everything from festivals, breweries, and even an old coffin shop in Brooklyn. They have a new record coming out this fall on JMB Records titled Dream Harvest. Make sure to check them out tomorrow, July 11th, at their show at Pianos in New York City. To find out more about the band, check out JobCreatorsBand.com or on Instagram at JobCreatorsBand. Now here it is, their new single, Dream Harvest. What was it like to wake up having not previously gone to sleep? And that's the same sort of weird question as what it would be like.
So come out Friday, August 30th at the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis. It's going to be an amazing time. Go to hi-fiindy.com for more information. in Cambria and you're listening to that one time on tour. Welcome to another episode of that one time on tour. As always, I am your host, Chris Swinney, back with another stellar conversation with somebody in or around the music industry. This is episode number 60. Can you believe it? We are at 60 episodes already. I want to thank you guys for checking out last week's episode, which was episode number 59, with Mark O'Connell, drummer extraordinaire for Taking Back Sunday. I want to give a shout out to Mark, not for only being on the show, but I was talking to him the other day and uh, his wife is getting ready to give birth. So uh, new baby alert, new baby alert. Good job, Mark and family. And uh, I hope everything goes well. And we are sending you lots of love from that one time on tour. And uh, this is episode 60. I got to tell you about episode 60. This is a big episode. I got to sit down and talk to one of my buddies from a long time ago. I hadn't seen him in years uh, Travis from Coheed and Cambria is on today's program and you guys are going to love it. We talked about so much great stuff. Travis is, he's a trip, man. He's probably one of my favorite guests I've ever had on the show and I cannot wait to have him back, but you guys got to hear this one before I talk about having him back. So before we get to my conversation with Travis, I do want to do a little housekeeping, you know, keep the lights on. We do have sponsors that help out the show. Up first, still on board, we have Artist Flags. They make scrims and backdrops for the stage. They're amazing. If you have a band or a company and you need some promotional stuff, hit up artistflags.com for all the information. They're also on all the social media platforms at Artist Flags. 
I need to tell you about Permanence Tattoo Gallery. You guys have heard me say it all the time. It's my favorite shop here in Indiana. Mr. Jacob Harrison, former guest on the program, is the owner and an awesome tattoo artist in his own right. So if you are in central Indiana or you want to travel to get some good ink, head on over to Permanence Tattoo Gallery. It's on Meridian Street in downtown Anderson, Indiana. Or you can check them out on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. Back for some more sponsoring, we have the amazing sock company, Merge 4. They make amazing socks. They've got sublime socks. They've got circle jerk socks. They they partner and do collaborations with like artists and bands and surfers and skaters. They they're really, really cool. And Cindy over there at, at Merge Ford decided she wanted to sponsor the show some more. And uh, they're sending me some cool socks and I can't wait. And that brings me to my next part of the sponsorship with Merge Four. We're going to be doing a Patreon-only contest where you can actually win some really cool stuff for Merge 4. So uh, if you want to be eligible for the contest that is coming up with our great sponsor, Merge 4, head on over to patreon.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T podcast. Get involved at the $5 a month level, and uh, you can be eligible to win some really, really cool stuff. And if we do the contest and you didn't win, or you did win, and then you want to cancel, go for it, man, whatever. But uh, yeah, if you want to be involved, you can head over to, like I said, patreon.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T podcast. And I would like to give one more big shout out to Cindy and everybody over at Merge4. Please check them out at merge4.com or on all the socials at Merge4. Okay, we're going to do our new segment. And I love this segment, T-O-T-O-T radio. We have a theme song, and I was told by one of our patrons that I probably should have explained where the theme song came from. Uh, it's actually a rancid song that No Effects covered for this little split like series thing where they covered each other's songs. Uh, yeah, so we're going to get into the theme song, and we're going to hit the new segment, TOTOT Radio. Here it is. On this installment of TOTOT Radio, I am going to be talking about an amazing band, a band that I have loved for a really long time. The band is called Baroness, and uh, they are, they're wonderful. They, they're metal, but they're kind of funky, but they're kind of spacey. They're just, they're an amazing band, and I love them so much, uh, and I just can't, I can't wait to go see them. I'm going to see them on July 21st here in Indianapolis. Uh, Brian Nelson, the old bass player for the Ataris. He was also in the Widow Jenkins with me, and I've I've known the, the dude my whole life. We put Little League together, trying to get him on the show, but he is their front of house engineer. He is on the road with them right now. He just got back from South America with Baroness, and like I said, I don't really have anything to do with Baroness. I just really love them, and I know people that work for them, and I'm going down to see Brian and hang out and you know watch the show because they're one of my favorite bands. I don't really know if I'll be able to get them on the episode or not. Who knows? I've been talking to their management and it may happen. It may not. I might just go down and enjoy the show because I mean, I don't want to be the guy that, hey, I want to come to your show and and be on my podcast. I just want to go enjoy the show. So maybe it'll happen. Maybe I'll just enjoy the show like a normal person. But I did want to, you know, give a spotlight to Baroness. They have a new record out called Gold and Gray. 
the really cool thing about Baroness, all of their records have color themes. And uh, John, their singer, is an artist, and he he's done all the artwork for the albums, as well as he he's did like a shirt design for Metallica. Like the dude is stellar. Yeah, I just wanted to give a little spotlight to Baroness. They don't really need my spotlight, but I love them. Check out their new record, Gold and Gray. They are on tour now. Like I said, they're going to be stopping by Indianapolis on the 21st. Uh, if you want more information on tickets or tour dates or whatever, go to yourbaroness.com, Y-O-U-R-B-A-R-O-N-E-S-S.com. And I just wanted to, you know, tell you guys about my love for the band Baroness. So I'm going to play their new single. It's called Tourniquet. And uh, here it is, Baroness with Tourniquet.
Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. So that was Baroness with Tourniquet off their new record, Gold and Gray. Remember to go check them out on the road. If you're in Indianapolis, they're going to be there on July 21st. Get tickets and all the info at yourbaroness.com. Okay, longest intro ever. I'm going to get right into my conversation right now with Travis from Coheed and Cambria. We had a great time. You guys are going to love this. So without further ado, here it is, my conversation with Travis from Coheed and Cambria. Thanks, Paul. That's, that's my friend Paul and uh, and and his wife and his kid. And I saw them in – I live in Nyack now, New York, where we grew up. And I saw them, like, in town. And that's what happened. I had this whole fucking thing planned out perfectly. Walked the dog to my mother-in-law's, grabbed the car. But I saw them and, like, you know, chatterbox over here. Just, like, you know, me going on and on and – like, I hadn't seen him in a while. Yeah. And we're just going back and forth. And I'm like, oh, I better start walking. Oh, it's okay. I'll walk and, and talk and it'll be perfect. And now it's pouring. So they were just like, can we drive you a ride? And I don't want to get in the car and be doing this. And then we're all talking. So I'm all good, man. I got a raincoat on. Like I said, I'm, I'm good. Okay. So, uh, so I'm just going to go from here. As you guys can tell, I'm on the phone with uh, my buddy Travis from Coheed and Cambria. How are you doing today, man? Other than being wet, you know, and getting stuck in the rain. Oh, I'm all good, man. I'm, you know, I'm fighting this fucking rain, but, yeah. uh, yeah, we're, we're doing, we're doing well, man. We're, pre- we're prepping for a tour coming up actually, uh, with Mastodon and every time I die. So I'm really excited about that. Bands of both bands. Everybody is. And, and we're, uh, you know, we're really looking forward to getting into the, the, the U S tour cycle again. We've done like a few here and there. Um, on this new record, which I guess I'm supposed to plug that too, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but you can go ahead and give it a plug if you want. Yeah, yeah. We we released a, a new record back in, uh, I believe it was October, uh, called Unheavenly Creatures. And uh, we're basically been still touring on that, of course. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be, you know, up until the new year. So, um, and maybe longer. You never know, right? Well, I mean, Metallica uh, used to tour for two and a half, three years on one record, right? Yeah, well, that shit ain't happening anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know the game now. Yeah, totally, man. You best keep it. You best keep some sort of stuff coming. <laughs> totally. People get bored and they say, "Forget you." So, well, and I think that's one thing that I really like about your band, and I always have, is the fact that there's so much, you know, meaning and like, there's a story behind all the music you guys do that kind of a narrative that connects it all together. So it's probably hard for you guys just to do the single thing, right? It is. We try, you know, um, and I think that, you know, I think that it should be easier. It's just, I think sometimes, you know, there's a couple of things that work against us, but they also work for us on the other side. It's like, you know, we have this whole other world conceptually, you know, and we have all the things that come with that with comic books and more will come, you know, like all these different um, ways that we explore media, you know, like yeah. and and it's promotion in itself. But I think that it also like it overwhelms, you know, people that are your standard like radio programmer or, 
you know, anybody who even your average listener and they're like, well, I don't know anything about this fucking concept, you know, like, (laughs) so why, you know, why should I try and get involved? I don't want to dive into that when they don't understand that you don't have to, like, you knowing us for so many years, you understand, you know, we're, we're a fucking rock band and our songs come from real life experiences, you know, but they're also have this whole other world. And, uh, you know, finally, as I got older, I started to understand that as much as, you know, we could think it was a curse in certain ways, it's been this blessing that it set us aside and made people like, as much as somebody could be like, what the fuck is up with that band having to have their concept and this and that? Well, they were talking about us, you know? Like, I think and, there's so much more that people can dig into if they are the obsessive audiophile yes. kind of guy like me because there's so much there and you guys can have that almost like cult following and be one of those bands where the, the fans are so loyal, you know? Absolutely. And that's where we got, that's where like finally, you know, as I got older, like just kind of understanding like, Oh man, this whole thing, you know? Yes. Of course it was Claudio's baby to have the concept, but you know, as a band we've, you know, like pushing forward, pushing that whole world, you know what I mean? I've been a huge, I've been a huge advocate of it, you know, like, uh, since, since we were in our twenties, you know, I, I kind of started to say, you know what, there's something to this. Like, this is like a really cool thing for us to have on, on the side of what we do, you know, like on the side, I mean, it's, it's just as big as the music, you know? Yeah. Like, so, so, you know, it's, it's like a 50, 50 thing. I mean, there's people that have no idea what the hell that whole concept, you know, consists of. And, and that's fine if they just appreciate us as a band, you know, yeah, it's fine. And that's, that's kind of the way it should be. But going back to your original question has, it's always been tough, like, because it's like, we'll have these songs that I think are perfect, like for, you know, I don't know what's radio play now. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. we've all tried to play that game, but, but we're still trying to play it. And I think every band and artist is trying to play it because really the game is just to get into as many ear holes as possible. Definitely. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so, so I think there's countless songs specifically on this new record that would be perfect for that kind of, that kind of avenue, you know, but it's about people taking the chance on it. And, and it seems like they kind of are right now. We have a bunch of radio stuff we're doing this week, acoustic stuff. And that's why it was so hard to like, yet again, I apologize. Like it was like, when the fuck can we do this? And I'm glad we could, you know, like, <laughs> well, I was just excited because, you know, I, I hit you up the first time you're like, Oh, I'm going to be in Germany, but I'll hit you up. And then I, I figured in a month or two, I'd hit you back up, but you got right back to me and we're like, let's do it, man. Because I was excited when I listened to some of the stuff, like just like being able to dig in. I think it's a great idea. I mean, it's a whole other world that, you know, some people think think it's so much more glamorous than yeah. it is. Um, well, that's, and, that's the uh, thing with this podcast, like the tagline on the website and everything is, you know, find out what it's like to live your dream or in some cases your worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. We've all, we've all had plenty of those, man. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, it's. It's like uh, it's like one of those things that we're all born with. Like, I don't know if we're born with them, but like maybe it's nature versus nurture kind of thing. But some of us like are wandering souls, and we really feel the need to get out there. But I think a majority of us that are touring musicians are also 
like we're in a in an ongoing conflict because we're also somewhat homebodies. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and like so you're in this ongoing conflict of like I want to be on tour so bad. Oh my god, I can't wait to fucking get home. This sucks. Oh wow, I want to be like I've been home for a month. What am I doing? I'm crawling out of my skin. You know, it's like maybe that's just part of the artist's conflict yeah. too. You know, and like it just spreads into that whole world, but. You know, you'll take your average, well, I say average person, that's almost like insulting because what's the fucking average person, you know, what's normal, but you take somebody who doesn't try to do what we do for a living and never attempted it and they look at it like, oh my God, you guys must be fucking doing like, you know, threesomes, threesomes every night, brother, and you're, you know, like, you're fucking... I always tell people. I always tell people it's not. It's not like Motley Crue's The Dirt. That's not what exactly, happens. exactly. Yeah. You know, like, and every time uh, a majority of us have tried to live it out like it is like that, it ends in crashing disaster. Okay. So, not that it didn't for them, but in certain ways. But let's face it, they they lived a hell of a life. Um, but you know, we're lucky, man. I mean, specifically. Speaking for myself in my own scenario, like I, Coheed has been extremely lucky for the fans. And you kind of said it yourself, like almost, you know, cult following that we've developed and how dedicated they are to us. Like we'd be nowhere without that, you know? And, yeah. uh, and so in a sense, like if anybody were to be like, Oh, what are you? Sounds like you're complaining. You're saying it's not like the dirt or saying, I don't know that that's their reality our reality is completely different. What we came up in and what how we did it, living in the vans and everything, is different than what that world was. You know, like so it's just it's a whole other world and we're lucky we have it. That's all I'm trying to get to. You know, like I feel very lucky that I've been a part of everything, you know, down to the tours where we're sleeping on amps, you know? <laughs> well, like, I, I want to talk about probably one of those tours. Um, the first time that I ever met you guys, and I'm sure you don't remember this later on, we toured together, but the first time that I met you was in Bloomington, Indiana, where you guys played this little like all ages place. I'm not even sure who you were on the road with, but then we all ended back at this like house party. And I mean, was it, was it in the house? Was it a house show? It may have, it, it may have been a house show. I don't remember. I just remember talking to you and Claudio and you guys gave me the debut record on equal vision, uh, second, second stage turbine blade, right? <laughs> yeah. Second stage turbine blade. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you guys gave the turbine in there. Yeah. No. Turbine. Sorry. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I, don't worry about it. I I'm looking at my notes and I, I, I messed up, but no, no you, you guys, uh, right. you guys actually started talking to me and like, I'd heard the name of the band cause I was pretty plugged into the music scene and I, I saw you guys play, but then, and I really liked you, but then you're like, Oh, come out to the van with us. And you got me a CD and just gave it to me. And that was my first introductory to you guys. And that was like that first tour. I'm pretty sure right after it only been out for like a week. I think. Look at us plugging. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, shit. Uh, we were proud of it. Dan. That was the game, right? We were all at it in it together to try and spread the word to each other about each other's bands. Like, yeah. So I do. I remember, if it's the, the one place I'm thinking about, I feel like the show was in a house. I think it was in a house because I think there was like another show I went to or I play. I think I played the all ages venue with my old band that we ended up at the house and you guys were playing. I think that's what happened. Was it? Yeah. Was it called the Octopus's Palace or something? And it had like a boiler <laughs> in the basement. That sounds super familiar, but man, it's been so long ago. I don't even Yeah. Remember. 
Yeah, we went to that place a couple a couple of times, and uh, and it, like it was just a basement, dude. And we played a lot of basement shows. We played a lot of DFW. You know, we did that whole world. That was that was our world, man, and that was your world too. And yeah, I wouldn't replace it with anything. That was our fucking college, you know. Well, I tell you, I, I tell I got you, an associate's degree, and we jumped in the, you know, and everybody tried, like we were like, okay, well, we're gonna go try this. And it's yeah. like, all right, this is what we're doing. Well, you know? it worked out because later on, the next time that I actually hooked up with you guys uh, was when I was playing with a band called Brazil, and we ac- we actually shared a manager, Blaze James, really good, yeah. great guy. You guys still working with Blaze? Yeah, absolutely. Blaze is still uh, still working us hard. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah. I I wanted to tell you a story really quick. I don't know if you remember this or not, but. Uh, I actually, Eric from Brazil and myself during Warp Tour, you guys actually let us sleep on your bus quite a bit because we had eight I guys. I know, yeah. I was listening to one of the podcasts you guys were talking about. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I remember that. And you know why we were so prone to that? Oh, I won't interrupt you. You go first and then I'll tell you. Well, I was just saying why? it was so great because we had like eight guys in a van and it was so hot and it was horrible. And just every day you or Claudio or somebody would come up and go, hey, when do you guys want to come sleep on the bus? I'm like, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> well, that's what we, that's what Christ for us and other bands everybody specifically thrice really like i had i remember the first time i slept in a bunk uh on on thrice's bus on warp tour was the warp tour we were just in the van but you know how grueling it is like you know so we were just in the van same shit like seven or eight of us whatever and they were like dude why don't you can sleep on here why don't you sleep on here tonight and it turned into me or josh doing it most of the time but uh but I remember climbing into that bunk and sleeping in it and being like, dude, this is like my own bathroom. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and freaking out. Well, I'll admit it. I was high as hell. Yeah. I was stoned out of my mind and I was just like, this is like my own fucking coffin. I'm like going to die on this right. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, like, I kind of came down. I wasn't high anymore. And I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> I was like, this is my own bedroom. And, you know, and it quickly became like, this is what we need to aim for, you know, like, we need to have this and not have to sleep on the bench sitting up um, in the van. And so when we had a bus and we're hanging with you guys, it was like, dude, let us bring you into this comfort, you know, comfort level. That's the supreme comfort yeah. level. And so we were happy to do it. That's all. It's like returning, returning the favor that was bestowed upon us by prior bands (laughs) i just remember like the guy some of the guys in the band would be looking for me or looking for eric and they couldn't find us and i'm in the back lounge playing a video game with with your old bass player michael like just yeah (laughs) yeah fuck yeah man it was and i'm glad that you know i'm glad that we were able to do that and we would do that like you know with other bands all the time you know so i mean actually it, it, it was like more or less doing it on a tour like that or a tour where we had a band with a band that we would just like always offer that up. But you'll find like, um, I remember, I think the last time that, that somebody from a band came on and just slept on was, uh, uh originally, um, the singer, a Baroness. Oh, okay. Brother, John. Yeah. John's great. Yeah, yeah. But his brother played guitar. Okay. You know, his brother, his brother was playing guitar in the band originally. Super sweet guy. And you know, we had a party night and it just was like one of those, don't go in the van, come with us, you know, like, and you love when those kind of things happen, you know, um, dude, on that warp tour though, I I was taken care of because the nights I wasn't on your bus, I was on Silverstein's bus. So I I never got in the van hardly. Yeah, dude, you were fucking, you knew how to hop. Yep. I was hopping back and forth, man. 
that's, that's more power to you, brother. Yeah, yeah. More power to you. So I do, I do want to get into a little bit of the history. Um, on Wikipedia, it said the band formed in 95, but I know there were different incarnations and different ah, that's names. That's different bands. Yeah. yeah, that's different bands. Coheed and Cambria really started when four of us, yeah, that's a high school band. Okay. I was singing in that, audio playing guitar. Dude who was in, uh, he actually performed two songs on, on second stage on drums. His name is Nate Kelly. He played drums in a band called Shibuti. Okay. Now, I joined Shibuti towards the end of what you know that existence I, I, I it basically ended more or less when that drummer left and josh joined it ended and we did use the name for a couple of shows because you know and as far as local shows were concerned and bands we were kind of known as that and we didn't want to just lose whoever gave a shit but then we were like this is a completely different band and a different thing you know and so claudio had a side project that had the concept and everything. And and back then, I remember being like, yeah, I like the name. I mean, do we really, you know, he probably won't bring the concept kind of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so we adopted the name Coheed and Cambria. And all the while in his head, he was always thinking, well, we're adopting that name. I'm carrying this concept over. Yeah. Go back to our early part of the conversation where it's a blessing in disguise that it, you know, and I'm proud that we did it. But I just remember back then it was like, Eventually, it was like, well, you know, we have this concept that's going to be going with it because you guys wanted me to bring this product. I was like, what? You know? <laughs> and so, so, but that was the beginnings, you know, like started working on songs for second stage, started, you know, Claudio had some stuff demoed. We would work on some stuff in, you know, like um, our original bass player, Mike's basement, his parents' basement. Or there was a band called Three. I don't know if you guys ever ended up playing with them. Yeah, yeah, I remember Three because uh, wasn't it some relation to Josh or something? Or yeah, his brother, and he was in that band before he was in Cohe. Okay, but Three still exists. You know, I don't know if they're working on anything right now, but they they're still a band. You know, but they were more of a touring band and around a lot more than and and they basically they basically were like. Um, hold on. My wife just pulled up, Chris. I'm sorry. I can't get in. <laughs> That's okay. Cause I'm not going to interrupt this interview. And if you want to take her and I'll just walk, <laughs> I'll meet you down there. There we go. Yeah. Now it'll be even easier without the dog. Awesome. I'll see you down there. Um, of course we've worked our ass off to get this going and I got stuck in a monsoon, <laughs> but, uh, it's not a monsoon. I'm being dramatic. Yeah. But anyway, so three, let us rehearse in there. I remember specifically working on songs like, you know, Devil in Jersey City, you know, Claude already having like the riff and kind of chorus ideas and fleshing out like a bridge. And I have specific memories of some of those songs, you know, like, um, and, uh, and yeah, going back to what I said, you know, lyrically, he was already kind of going that direction with, with a concept paralleling the, uh, the real, or you know, the, the actual, you know, the fiction and the reality kind of going together. And, and, you know, that was where we were first started experimenting. So the band began there, you know, and I would say that's around 2000. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, if anything, late 99, 2000. So you guys, you know, signed equal vision and put out the debut in 2002. What was the process yeah. like for gaining their attention or, or getting the relationship going with equal vision? Um, we were, we were all over the place trying to get people interested 
you know, as you do in a band, um, and trying to basically sell ourselves, if you will, <laughs> see who would sign us on. And Equal Vision, you know, we had these top picks being, you know, from the era we were from. Like, you had your top picks of labels at the time, you know? Like, we loved a lot of things that were released on Revelation. We loved a lot of things that were released on, um, you know, put, put any label here. Yeah. And it was like, we're going to try for that. But Equal Vision was a New York-based label, of course, hardcore punk label, but a label that we actually, you know, had crossed paths with somewhat. And um, our friend who was working with us at the time named Ashton, um, who's become an actor, a successful actor actually now, he he was like, you know, pretty in touch with a lot of like the labels throughout New York. He had a band of his own and uh, they definitely weren't signed Equal Vision, but somehow he had been in contact with them as well. And he was helping us kind of, you know, shop our, our demos around because Second Stage at that point, was a series of demos, yeah. you know, we had actually, we only had two songs recorded, which was a song called 33 and a song called delirium trigger. And those were from, like I said, those are the two songs from the original drummer from the other band. Shibuti had played on. And, uh, those songs were intended. That was, I'd say those two songs were changing in the tide, right? Yeah. That's where it was like, we did these two songs and it was like, things were going a different direction. And, then the the original drummer of Shibuti quit, and then we started working on the other material, and we were like, we got to try and show this to people, and um, eventually, everything we were working on that became second stage were demos to show to labels, yeah. and Equal Vision basically were like, yeah, it's pretty cool, you know, like, we'll have to come out and see a show. They came out and saw one show. We got them to come out. And we had other labels come out to shows. Um, I don't think that we had any real high interest at that point from anybody. But Equal Vision were interested. And by this time in our heads, we were on Equal Vision. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like no, we weren't pompous. But we were so excited that we like, we have to make this happen. You know, we were in love with their symbol. You know, I remember Claudio being like, I'm just so excited to see the, to see the symbol on our record. And I was like, yeah. oh, me too, dude. So like... We were like, we have to make it happen. And it was a huge disappointment that the first show they came to, they were like, I don't know. And I believe, I believe that it was Kirk from Equal Vision. Kirk might have like convinced, uh, or it might have been Dan, Dan Sancho, but one of the two of them um, convinced the other to go back and check the band because he was like, I really think something's there yeah. because if originally it was like, nah, we're going to pass on that. Um, and, uh, basically came out to the show and that show went really well for us. I believe that we were playing with, um, remember the band Finch? Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. We were playing with Finch at a place called Valentine's in Albany. And, and we had so many fans that Claudio had to get, you know, we had so many fans there, which was surprise to us, like pleasant surprise in this scenario, of course, pleasant surprise always. But if you got a fucking label that you're really trying to, it's the really right show to, to have them come out. Yeah. 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 You're trying to, trying to like, you know, trying to, to, to just really make sure that, that they, they think that you're kind of cool. Um, 
kind of cool. You don't want them to think you're you're overboard because then they'll be like, "Fuck those guys." Yeah. But uh, but so basically, we we played this show and we had so many people that turned up for us that Claudio had to get up and play like a basically it wasn't even acoustic; it was on electric guitar, but a skeleton version of the song in Keeping Secrets, like minus any of our any of the other band, like just him sitting there on a chair. And, uh, you know, I don't even think it was a finished song, you know, alone for him at that point. And uh, he just played it and people, you know, were stoked that they got another song and we got done and they were like, all right, you know, we, we do. We want to work with you guys. I mean, I don't know if they told us that night or... But they were excited about the show. I remember I had duct tape holding my shoe together that night. So <laughs> that's awesome, man. You could tell yeah. you could tell your kids that one day. Like I remember when I had to use duct tape when I was getting signed yeah, to a record tape. label. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I mean that was the start right there. I'd say like a year prior to that, which so that was probably two thousand one. Okay, was really where Coheed began. I'd say. Mid 2000s, where Coheed began. So Wikipedia is going to say everything that happened throughout <laughs> the years. You know, yeah. it's going to talk about our fucking bands that we had in junior high. But you know, because I guess it's confusing too. Because the fact is, Claudio and I've been playing together since we were 13. You know, yeah. So that's like that's like there were a lot of things that happened. You know how it is when you play in bands in oh, junior definitely. high and high school. Like members change every month. You know. So, so what was the, like the response when that, when the debut came out on equal vision? I mean, was it good right off the bat? I know it, it, it started climbing pretty quickly, but what was it like when it first came out? I mean, it was overwhelmingly good as far as we were concerned because people were actually hearing what we were doing. Yeah. So it was like, holy shit, somebody cares, you know, uh, especially after all the years of the local shows and stuff like that. And so to us, it was exciting regardless. And we were getting in that van and plugging it no matter what we play with whoever, it was very hard to place us. Like, you know, they'd give us tours with Shy Halud and From Autumn to Ashes. And then they'd give us a, a tour with one of, you know, Equal Vision's band, The Liars Academy, which was an older band from that era. And, or they'd give us a tour. You know, we did some shows with AFI, which I think worked well. And yeah. we did some shows with, you know, and that was even a little bit later. They were, they were placing us with all different bands just to try. But a lot of them were, like, heavier. Like, you know, we did a tour with Bloodlet. And it was like... It was fucking bloodless, you know? Like, I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with their oh, music. I'm but, familiar, yeah, I'm familiar. And and I'm, you know, being a fan of their music, even then it was like, how's this really going to work? But it did, you know? It did. We were able to fit. And so, basically, we just kept doing whatever they threw at us. And, you know, and we would become, like, bloodless. We developed, like, almost like a, a family friendship kind of thing with those guys. Where every time I'd even go to Florida, we'd like stay with the drummer John and, you know, that'd be the place we'd crash, you know? And, and so like, it's, uh, it's one of those things where just like you probably came up in it, it's like you start to develop relationships on the road and that's how you kind of survive in that early yeah. period. And, uh, and we just kept pushing and playing. And I, I thought I was talking to Josh Coach drummer earlier today and he said something that really struck a chord, like. As far as Coheed and Cambria is concerned, like, don't get me wrong, couldn't be more proud of what we've done on record, but really as a live band, I think that's where, and he said it, and now I'm fully agreeing, it's like where we really are able to show um, what we do, and, and I think that's where we've turned people on the most, Yeah, you know, and 
So if it wasn't for having that, I don't, I think that we'd be a little lost, you know, but somehow we have a chemistry that we are able to pull it together on stage. Some nights a lot better than others, of course, but you know, like we, we do it and somehow it, it, people gravitate towards that, you know, and I feel fucking lucky that we have that aspect because I think that's what's gained us a lot of our following. And uh, so we just kept going. That's all. That's all I'm going to say is we kept going. We just kept getting in that van. We just kept going and going and going. Well, that, that's pretty cool because, like, you know, a year later, you guys release in Keeping Secrets, I'll just say dot, dot, dot of Silent Earth 3. And, yeah. And, you know, that had some singles that got MTV airplay with the videos. It was certified gold. That's an insane jump from that first record. I mean, how did that just feel like a dream? Like it felt like a movie? Yeah. I mean, you know, if I could look back at my younger self, I would have enjoyed that, that jump a little bit more and, and understood what it was, but especially in the upbringing we had and we were surrounded by parents that played music. Uh, my father's a singer songwriter and my mother, you know, was earlier in life, you know, she has a fantastic voice, but she decided fuck this music thing because there's so much heartbreak involved in trying to have it as a career, you know, and, uh, and I watched my father, like, you know, the ups and downs. So you're skeptical, you're, you know, and then growing up in like, in like, you know, whether it be the punk hardcore world, that those roots, or even just like, you know, your local rock bands you know alternative rock bands you know that i grew up around that i respected and they just broke up and they faded and you're you, you just learn to kind of be a little jaded like this is going awesome but when is the shoe gonna drop yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. i still got that and i still try and i mean i think that it's good it's like it's good to have a healthy dose of that because you're never really that surprised with something and we all had our share you know as coheeds had its share of like kind of uh, you know, bad times, if you will. And, and so when that shit comes up, you're prepared to fight, you know, or, or you're prepared to go forward, you know, and, and you understand that, that you can't just throw your arms up and be the victim and say, well, everything sucks and it's it, you know, it's like, so I'm glad that I had that. I just wasn't able to enjoy as much because of worry, Yeah, you know? And, uh, and so that's, that's part of it. So yeah, was it a surprise? Yeah, and it was a surprise that was kind of like, whoa, this is a little crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what's going on here? People are really appreciating this. Oh boy. You know, is this bad or is this good? And then also, like I was saying, growing up around, you know, certain aspects of the scenes and stuff like that, you go too fast with something, people just shun you. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, they'll start to get a bad taste for you just because, oh, success, huh? Well, it's not like, it's like, well, it's not really like we're really actually still sleeping on amps here, but you know, people are actually caring about the music. So at least it makes us like a carrot yeah. to get to that gig sleeping on this amp, you know? So, so, so that success, you know, led to you guys signing with Columbia where did you have any reservations about going to a major label? I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you had so much success on an indie label. Some bands would just, you know, decide to just continue having that success. But I guess to push it to the stratosphere, you kind of need that major, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's just one of those things where I was like, how far do we want to try and go with this as far as we can? And so what, what's going to be the benefit of going over here? Well, not only will they push more money into the actual, 
but they they'll have more promotional skill and more, you know, like Equivision was a house at yeah. that point. Yeah. And they were doing fucking incredible, but they weren't offices and everything yet. Like they were running out of like Steve's basically, you know, garage at that point. And, uh, and they were doing, like I said, they were doing incredible with it, but we were like, uh, go into this huge Sony building in, we went to numerous labels, Chris, by the way. So I'm sure you remember that kind of world. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, when you go to the, the labels and stuff, you know, it's like, go ahead, boys, order the steak and lobster. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. we were trying not to be too phased by that and make the right choice. And I think we made the right choice with Columbia. Like, I mean, what is, what's going to be the right choice in the end anyway? What are we going to look back on? I mean, Coed's still here. We're still lucky enough to play shows that people give a shit. You know what I mean? We could have signed to like Epic or we could have signed to somebody else and, taking that chance and it could have been huge for a year and a half, but then we might've just fizzled out and never been anything again. Yeah. So we don't know. Like, I think we made the choice that we were supposed to make at that point and, and we did it. And, you know, and ever since we've been kind of bouncing around to who's going to allow us to be ourselves and who's yeah. going to be on board with Coheed being, you know, what we are like, uh, the music can be outlandish. There's a whole concept. There's a whole world to it. There's comic books. There's, you know, there's like rabid cult following <laughs> that, you know, care sometimes, you know, to get angry. They, they care. They care so deeply. Sometimes they'll even get angry at something that we do because they don't feel like it's up to our potential, you know? And it's like, um, and I think a lot of bands have that. It's just sometimes our fans can be a little deeper with that. Yeah. And Josh coined a great word for that: a fan salt. <laughs> fan so it's salt. like you know. Yeah, I thought that version of that song was really good. I just wish you would have just stuck closer to the original, you know. <laughs> but it sounded good, you know. It's like that's a fan salt. Um, well, so I think you guys avoided the thing that a lot of bands do when they go to a major because your debut good apollo it peaked at number seven and to date it sold like a million copies so i mean that's a great debut for a major oh and that goes back to like how did you feel at that point it was like what's going on you know and it's like <laughs> yeah man i mean we have been super fucking lucky in that sense you know like because at that point it was it was a cult you know the cult following was there but not as much as it is now it was people still dipping their toes into it and enough people took a chance on us you know like yes we had a major label backing it this that and the other thing but we still had enough of those people that stuck with us and took a chance on diving deeper yeah, you know yeah totally and so yeah i mean Sting said something really cool, like, you know, in, in some, I remember watching some movie, like, about, like, I think it was, like, uh, six feet from stardom or five feet from stardom, and it was about background singers, and he was just talking about, like, what's the rhyme and reason to being, like, you know, in a band that actually people give a shit, like, being somebody that gets, if I hate the word, but, like, famous, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's what, a lot of people use that fucking word, but that word is, like, to me, that word's like, I don't know, I despise that word because it's like, what do you mean? Like, you know, I mean, I look at somebody who's in a different category than the band we are and, you know, or a lot of people that we know and cross paths with. I mean, I guess it's like, I guess it's, I look at a Brad Pitt, that's famous, you know what I mean? Yeah, I look yeah. at it like, but, you know, so that word, but I think that he did use that 
damned word. And it was like being famous, you know, famous rock star, famous musician, famous whatever. I don't know what the rhyme or reason is. I could say it's because you work hard or it's because you are really talented or it's because, but he said, I know plenty of people that have worked harder than me. It was really endearing to hear him say it. I don't remember how he worded it. I might be throwing a lot more out there, but he was like, I think that it's just a combination and it's a matter of like even luck. Yeah. It's right place, right time with hard work as well. But I mean, there's so many musicians that I've known in my life that were amazingly talented songwriters and worked their asses off and they're not doing anything now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that if you don't utilize any of those things, like if you don't have the hard work, but you're incredible, well, sorry, you're not. I mean, there are those fucking times, though. Yeah, there, like, there's the exception to the rule, you know? Yeah, this guy hasn't done shit. He doesn't do any promotion for himself, or this band doesn't do anything for themselves. And they're huge. You've seen that. It happens, but that's a rarity, man. Yeah. You got to have all those, like, wheels, those, like, little gears working at the same time. And then that's still not a guarantee anything's going to happen for anybody, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just a fucked up thing. And then especially what we grew up in with the, you know, the, the file sharing world becoming, you know, basically our existence, like it's, it's not anything like what somebody can compare, like that, like an elder musician could compare to. They don't understand that, you know, like they've had to now. Yeah. Like it's like, I watched like a lot of people that were, um, you know, even my father, who's like a singer songwriter. I'm trying to help him get his music online now that he he wrote and recorded so much music since like the mid 70s. And it's never been out there. Like, you know what I mean? Except for like to his peers and people. And I'm like, dude, you just like and he'll be like, I'm just trying to send so and so this song that we're trying to work on together. And he's got a beautiful studio. I'm trying to burn this disc and then I'm going to mail it. And I'm like, dude, you got to fucking just email an MP3. You know what I mean? You can even text it if you want. I mean, it's so easy now. So I'm just trying to like, but I spent years with him and like a lot of people of that era just being like, well, I mean, why are CDs going away? I still buy them. And it's like, you are so rare. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and then vinyl, I collect vinyl, but I mean, let's face it, that leveled off. That was like that had had its heightened. It got really you know, hot a couple years ago, and now it's. it's and they're it's doing special off. stuff, but it's leveled off. Yeah, it's leveled off, and I still collect. Like if I listen to something online, I I will buy it if I like it. Yeah, because I use Spotify, man. I mean, I use Spotify. That's why I used to listen to everything. I make playlists to do this and that and the other thing. But if I like something and I hear it on there, I'm gonna buy it on vinyl, and that's how I'm gonna support. And you know, basically, then. I feel like I'm kind of giving back to this fucked up world where, you know, basically stealing, you know, it's, it's, you know, I watched uh, Trent Reznor's like, um, rock and roll hall of fame and, uh, the cure. cure. And when he just talks about how, like, you know, the internet has basically reduced the art, you know, or he used perfect wording, you know what I mean? Like, and, um, and, and it's like, damn man, like that guy existed, you know, within successfully within the music world, eight years before any of us were even sleeping on amps. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was, you know, and labels took a chance on him just like they took chances on our bands and stuff. But when they took a chance and it was successful, he was selling records. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Like, he was seeing dough from those records, but here he is and he's fully affected just like the rest of us. So it's like, you know, and those, and see, and hearing somebody that like, you know, 
we respect so much as an artist. Like, you know what I mean? At least me personally is like, you know, it's endearing to hear. It's almost like we're united in the fight to not say, hey, fuck you for downloading our art illegally, but hey, help us out here because if you want to see us still doing this, at least buy the tickets to the shows. Well, that's we, you know? we talk about Lars and the whole Napster thing a lot on this podcast. Yeah. And I feel like so many, so many, so many people gave him shit because, oh, he's rich Lars Ulrich from Metallica, you know, the richest drummer in the world, whatever. But he was doing that for bands like your band and like my previous bands. He didn't care that he wasn't getting paid off Master of Puppets. It was changing the entire industry for artists. That's yeah. how, that's how I feel. I feel like, I mean, I kind of at the time was like, oh, Lars is rich. I kind of fell into that too. I did too. No, no, I did too. I think more, more on my side of it was, I mean, it's not going to make a difference there, Lars. Stop. You sound like a crotchety old man. Now. Yeah. Like, let it go. That that's what my issue was. It wasn't. It wasn't no one for the stealing. I mean, I was doing it. I was doing it. Like, so I was I, yeah. Fucking lie. I, had, I had Napster, then I had Bear Share, then I had LimeWire. I had all that bullshit. Yeah. And I feel guilty for it now. I do. Like, I have, like, an artist's guilt because I'm like, well, why should I fucking be mad at anybody else? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like, I made playlists, or not even playlists at that time. Motherfucker, I had cassettes. Like, this is how deep <laughs> I went. I got so deep that we had the dial-up modem still when Napster first dropped. Yeah. That I, and I didn't have, like a CD drive on our computer. So I did the RCA or however the cables. Yeah, it was RCA, RCA, I guess from my, my fucking cassette player into the fucking, um, to the computer. And I recorded cassette mixes of <laughs> Napster shit. That's awesome. So, and I would give them to like, hilarious you know hilariously enough like friends and stuff and like and it was stolen music yeah. and then we got i got a computer with a cd burner and, dude it was on it was yeah Over. as soon as i got i got an external cd burner for like this old crappy one i had and after that it was over i remember when like i think it was hopeless or subsidy was putting out the illusion of safety by thrice and i was already a big All thrice right, yeah. fan and they were like debuting one of their singles and you could download it for free. And at the time it took me like 25 minutes to download one song. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, man. I remember that shit. I remember that. Like it took me longer. Like I remember doing that. I think I remember with that with a, at the driving song called yeah. catacombs. Okay. Yeah. In between. I remember doing that with that song. I remember a cave in, they put up a song online and I think it was before it was before Jupiter or right around like they, we were just dipping our toes in that too. So there were bands around us that we respected that were doing it. And we were like, that's when everybody was like taking tips from each other. And I remember looking at, uh, I remember Claudio and I looking at, um, you know, the cave in website and a bunch of other websites of bands. Like, you know, at that time period, I remember going and seeing them and then plugging their website. And we just started developing our own site that Claudio was kind of putting together, which like, you know, a million letters at the end of it. I, I God, <laughs> I can't even remember what it, but, um, yeah, I know you what know, you're talking about. I, I remember, I remembered like actually a month ago what the actual site was and I wouldn't dare say it. Actually, I think it just hit my mind, but I wouldn't dare say it. Cause what if somebody was able to find oh, it? Is, so it is it still up? Have you checked to see oh, if I it's still up? So. I don't think so, but it's so embarrassing to think about like, we had friends that would write fake reviews of the shows and uh, just, it was just funny. Like, so we, we had this site, like, you know, uh, definitely get, find a definitely fucking low, 
low budget, but you know, it was perfect for what we were trying to do at the time. Was it on angelfire.com? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you know, that'd be a question for Claudio because he developed it at his parents' house. Actually. Well, I'll tell you, if he didn't take it down, it's still there because my first band was called Chronic Chaos in high school. And our first website from, I'm going to say, 98, 99, I found it the other day. It's still Holy up. shit. No, I mean, I think that we've all searched. I think it's gone. Okay. But uh, <laughs> if it ever resurfaced, it would be gone again within two seconds. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, with, with, with still shots taken... So that we have the memory, but none of you, none of you other people out there, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But um, so yeah, I mean, like that was that era. Like we would put a song on there. I think we I think we tried to put a song on there, or there was a song on there, or whatever. And like that was when we figured out this is what you have to do. And so that was right there where Lars was starting his stink, and it was just like, yeah, but this is what we're in, man. This is what we're in. We're all fucking, you know. So that was my problem with it. It wasn't, oh, you're rich. I mean, I'm sure I said it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's face it. But I mean. I was more like, dude, we got to accept it and move forward. And, uh, and, and it never changed, you know, it's gotten, you know, I'm, you know, they talk about catching, uh, on more and, and being able to get artists paid a little bit better for like streaming, but I haven't seen that happen really. Yeah. I mean, you guys have to have millions and millions of streams on Spotify, but I'm yeah, sure, really I'm sure your bank account's that. not doing much better. No, 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 you don't, you know, and I hope, I hope someday that changes. Who knows? But yeah. I'm not. We're too busy trying to work to plug the art that we're still making and play shows because we know that the shows are where you go and actually, you know, people can support you. Yeah. But um, albums are just promotion for those shows. Yeah, that's a good way know? to look and at it. Promotion, and promotion for the other media outlets such as the comics and whatever else, you know, we can push like the Amory Wars yeah. through, you know? And so, like, that's basically how i look at it man it's like the we want the music to be the best it fucking can be there's no doubt about it that's still where it's important but um live is where we're really going to make a living you know so, so. Let, let, let's talk about how the the video game rock band helped you guys out because oh that when, was huge welcome home being on that game i at the time i was teaching guitar in between tours and whatnot and the amount of young kids that would come in and say, I want to learn Welcome Home by Coheed and Cambria. And I look at this like eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid, and I'm like, how the hell do you know that band? <laughs> yeah, it was massive for us, man. There, there's no denying um, how incredibly helpful that was to to propel us to all, you know, to new levels um, with at least a certain demographic, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, you know, like... I could say like there are people that, that played, I can say this very, very um, sure that I'm, I'm right on that, that a lot of people that played that listened to the band that never would have given it a chance. Yeah. You know? And uh, I mean, can I say that all those people are the, the ones that followed and stayed with the band forever the way that some of our incredible fans have? No, I can't say that, but for that time period and, and for like kind of being able to give us a jump start to go to another level that that definitely helped. Well, you I, know? I'm sure that like if you look at percent, like the law of percentages, probably a high percentage just kind of were casual. But I'm sure you guys picked up a lot of people that bought everything and got obsessed with the band as well. Well, yeah, I think you're right. I, I'm, I'm saying the majority of them probably weren't. Yeah, yeah, those, yeah. But I, there definitely were. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, anybody that was playing that game um, religiously was 
probably very interested in music, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, you know, there were people that were just like, um, you know, fair weather fans of music, not like, you know, this is funny. I get to play a rock star on a video game, but there were a lot of people that were like, you know, eventually went on to play real guitar because yeah. they were like, Oh shit. And then they realized it was completely different, but you know, like, uh, it, it was, it was intriguing. I had it, you know, the game, I played it. I remember, you know, we had people over and everybody get loaded and try and play rock band. And I got to watch Claudio sing it at, at, at one of his parties once. Um, I don't think that he got, uh, the highest, uh, I was never good at it because I'd try to add stuff that wasn't there, even on like expert mode. I just, I was never good at playing that game. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. <laughs> I, I, especially if I played the drums, yeah. Like, I'd be like, this is totally not what they're doing, you know? So it's like, I remember I had the Beatles one. I had the, yeah, I had a bunch of them. But uh, yeah, it definitely was a huge deal for the band at that point to, to be part of that, so you know? That's awesome, man. Well, hey, I've got some listener questions. You mind answering some listener questions? Absolutely not. Okay, so uh, Jeremy from Texas, this is kind of funny. He wanted to know if he can get a lifetime guest list pass since he named his kid Cambria. Nah, you name your kid Coheed, maybe maybe it'd be a little different. I've never <laughs> met anybody that named their kid Coheed, so um, yeah. I I can say the band is honored and incredible how many people name themselves after you know characters, specifically Cambria, yeah. which is a fucking beautiful name. It's awesome. Let's yeah. face it, you know what I mean? Like it's a beautiful name, but I've yet to meet a Coheed. Well, that so, would be cool. We're, well, if there's anybody I can't out say there, that I give you lifetime passes either because you know what. What did we just talk about? We hey, just man, we got to keep doing this, too. <laughs> That's completely but, perfect, man. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, but, but hey, I'll give you, like, like something. I don't know what. Hey, <laughs> some, some signed shit. I don't know. Like, whatever. Like, something cool. Cool. Some, so next time you're in Texas, Jeremy, come out, find Travis, and I'll give you some I'll definitely give stuff. him a couple of passes. Yeah. Okay, a couple <laughs> of passes. I can't say lifetime. <laughs> but if, uh, but, uh, yeah. So, Awesome. But I don't name it. But I don't think I'm trying to say name your daughter Coheed because that's <laughs> absurd too. Um, but if you have a son, you want to name it Coheed. We'll talk about them passes. How about that? Okay, awesome. Okay, well, I've got uh, Chris from Illinois wants to know if you have any pre or post show routines. Pacing. I just pace. Okay. I've been pacing like I actually got to my mother in law's where I was picking up a car when I was walking. And I've been pacing on the phone with you up and down the streets of Piermont here for about fucking 25 <laughs> minutes. And I just look like a real crazy dude. That's all good. But that's what I do before the show. I will put pace up and down the hall, pace somewhere. Sometimes I'll just stay in my bunk, like biding my time. It's actually a game I play where I just wait for our tour manager, Chuck, to come in. Yeah. And I say, what, motherfucker? <laughs> and they'll just be like, it's time. It's time. You just stay until the last minute, don't you? And I just say, yeah, no, I just love you coming in and just like, looking like a little like, oh my God, you're not ready at all. <laughs> but I just stay in there and fucking chill. And then I'll pace. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like that. And a little, like, you know, Claudia does like really, really um, extreme vocal warm-ups, which actually like. I mean, like I would think showed, he would have to with his voice. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he does. But he does like stuff that really works for him and that he, you know, developed years ago. And because we do a lot of background vocals, it's hilarious. He'll be doing it in the back. Sometimes I'll either be pacing up front or just kind of sitting somewhere in my bunk and I'll just start doing it because <laughs> I know it so well now. And I'll be like, well, if anything, all it could do is help me to sound better when I'm singing backgrounds. Yeah. So I'll start doing like his, 
you know, he'll do like, oh, with his tongue and stuff like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to follow him on this. He's like, he's back there. He hears me doing, he's like, shut the fuck up. It's confusing me. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's like, it's really just for me pacing and doing, and doing like a little bit of a, a kind of like brainstorm. I don't think about my whole life before I go on like Dewey Cox, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but I probably think too much still. Yeah. Shout out to Dewey Cox. If no one else yeah. has seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So Aaron from Texas wants to know what your weirdest fan interaction was. Fan interaction. Yeah. Or something weird. It doesn't have to be the actual weirdest, but. You know, I wish I had a really, really great one for that. I just, you know, I've had, I've had some that have been just extremely like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> you know, let me just up on there, man. I want to say hi to everybody. And, uh, you know, just like, what? Like, you want me to wait, you make, let you up on our home and you're just going to go in there and chill. Yeah. No, sir. I don't know you, but, um, kind of think, you know, the, I, I wish that I had that lined up because I'm sure there's some kooky ones you know yeah i mean i've we've signed prosthetic legs yeah we've signed you know but nothing too you know somebody takes their leg off i mean usually being military the first thing you're gonna go is thank you for serving you know like you lost your fucking leg yeah. this is insane and i'm signing it you know um but uh but geez uh and any been like really overzealous people that maybe you just like- oh yeah we've been freaked out before there's yeah. been people that have been like you know, it's really hard when somebody comes up and they're like really crying and they're like, we're already somewhat awkward, somewhat. We're all fucking awkward. <laughs> Let me just play, you know. Yeah. So it's like, you know, um, it's like you come up and, and it's not their fault. I mean, I understand. Maybe I would cry if I walked up and like, let's say I met one of my favorite songwriters ever, or one of my favorite artists. Let's say I walked up to like, and I've done, hey, one of the stories I might tell. I will tell it, but it's like about a respected musician that I was around and embarrassed the shit out of myself. And so like, let's say I walked up and uh, let me pick somebody else. So like if I, Neil Young's one of my favorite yeah. musicians. So what if I went up and I, you know, got this chance to meet him and tell him what his songs have meant. And I just started screaming, crying <laughs> and shaking and almost convulsions. Yeah. Like how the fuck are you going to react? You know, oh, yeah. he's going to be like, what do I do with this? And I get it. But I mean, I can't be mad at somebody who's done it. We've had that happen. And, uh, you know, and it's not just female. Um, it could be anything. Place, place, they, them, whatever, any kind of human. Yeah. Like could just have that breakdown and being on the other side of it. Like I, I feel almost guilty or not guilty. I feel bad. And, um, and, uh, not, uh, insecure for that person, but almost like, how do you handle it and make the person feel better? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've, the only thing I've ever come up with is it's okay. Uh, we, we really feel awkward too. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we don't know what to say either, you know? So yeah, there's been countless of those kind of things. If you want to see that the masters of that, you need to go on YouTube and watch some of the meet and greets with Metallica. dude it's insane like how just awkward the people are and like james is trying to be like okay man yeah yeah and like hugging people it's it's, oh i gotta watch that see i didn't watch enough of that shit maybe i need to take tips from the masters yeah (laughs) the master pastors you know like uh, the past uh rockers who dealt with so much of this you know you should check it out man i remember one of my favorites is watching dio and he was incredible like you know he would come out and he would just sign shit 
Look, the point is nowadays, you know, what's tough is we don't, we, we do meet and greets and people, and I'm going to throw this out here. I don't think I've ever said this in, in an interview, but I think being you being a fellow musician and completely understand this and due to our conversation before, I could just spell it out. People will wait and then they will get super angry if you're not like, yeah, sure. Come up, come up on the bus, meet the whole yeah. family, just, yeah. you know? And it's like, well, honestly, you feel like you're saying to that person, look, somebody paid an extra $120 for them and their kid and their wife to get on a line to fucking sign something and take a picture before the show and hear an acoustic song. And they paid for that. And now you're just waiting outside at the end of the show in the rain. I'm sorry. That's your choice. <laughs> but you're waiting here. And I basically want to say, hey, I feel bad for the people that fucking paid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I'm not going to stop. Yeah. Like, but before those days, before paying for meet and greets and stuff, like, you know, you'd, I remember watching Dio. He would just come out and he would sign everything for every. We used to do that, honestly, Chris. We used to do that all the time. We'd come out and we would just go around and we'd sign literally everything. But the, but by the time we started doing it more of like a, a you know, it became like a. Um, it's a revenue stream. Yeah, it's a part yeah. of the show. Yeah. It became a part of the show. Like, if you want this I mean, part with of what the show. We, what, with what we were talking about earlier with not really making the money off of streaming or whatever, like, you have to find revenue streams. When I was, yeah. you know, a couple years ago, I thought the whole VIP meet and greet thing was kind of sketchy. But then I started realizing there's only so many ways to make money off your art. If that's If someone wants to pay money to meet you, that should be part of it, you know? Well, yeah, and we do it for, like, we, we do it, like, and we try and make it, like, really extreme. Like, when we've done, like, album tours, like, we make it really special. We give them a cassette of the demos. Yeah. We do all, you know, and it's like, but then you come outside, and there's, like, these people, and they're like, we couldn't afford that. And it's like, I understand that, but somebody did, yeah. and they probably couldn't either. They, they just fucking sprang for it, and they, you know, they spent, the like, part of their rent, and now I'm going to stand here with you, you know? And, like... Because people will just pay for the signing thing. They won't even yeah. pay for, you know, like, and because you got like the different things you could do. I don't know. Now I feel like a dick that I brought it there. But, but, you <laughs> no, know, you're not like, a dick. You're being realistic. And that's what this yeah, show is about. I'm just trying to be real about it. Like, yeah. it's something you don't usually say in interviews. And I had to kind of say it finally, you know? It's I like, mean, you, you've got to pay to feed your kids and to pay your bills. Like, there, there has to be other revenue streams on tour sometimes. I mean, You've got to get creative in this landscape of what the industry is now. Yeah, man. I mean, I, if you're going to see somebody on the street and you're getting like, I will stand and talk to somebody like, like, let's put it this way. If I come out and, and like, there's like seven people by the bus and they're just chilling and they're like, no, nah, man, they're like, you know, we just really want to talk, you know? And the thing is also one other little tidbit. There'll be a lot of people that'll just be like, well, why won't Claudio come out? The motherfucker just sang for an hour and a half, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. in this crazy, like, high, you know, pitch freak, you know, high frequency, like, you know, all these different things you love hearing him do live. And you'll be pissed if you can't do them tomorrow night if you're coming to the show again. But you want him to stand in the pouring rain or the snow or the ice. It's like, no, that's not. That's why you could come to the meet and greet and it's in a fucking environmentally you know safe place for sickness you yeah. know like yeah. so you know it's like kind of like one of those things where it's like you want to say that too it's like nah dude needs to go to sleep but if i come out and i'm like chilling and i just got done and there's like five or six people you know i'm gonna stop and talk to them and yeah. shoot the shit but if it's like 20 people that's where it becomes like dude you you created your own meet and greet and that ain't cool yeah, you know totally like, 
So, well, and, and it's like people people feel like people feel like they love your band and they're owed something. Of exactly, it. That's, that's not that's the age. That's the age we live in now. Like they're owed the music. They're owed this. They're owed that. Like, and that's uh, that's just everything you were talking about before. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we we've got through the the questions from the listeners. I actually want to hear that story. You said you had a story ready to go, so let's. Well, let's I check got it a out. couple of them, but I'll you know like I I never have like fully told this one story where you know and and it's always been you know you got those heartbreaker stories for yourself like you know um, when it, especially when it comes to the old booze yeah and uh, yeah I was fucking you know. We had it gotten offered. We were recording No World for Tomorrow with Nick Raskolinik. So this isn't a tour story. It's recording. Didn't, it's he, didn't you guys record with Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters as well? He was recording drums. Yeah. So that's where this all fits in. And what a fucking cool guy. And oh, what he's a cool great, experience. man. He's awesome. I've met him a couple times. He's wonderful. Yeah, man. And we're having this cool experience. So we go to a party a couple of days. Like we were doing pre-production with Taylor Hawkins and, and we're doing all this stuff. I'm just getting used to Nick Raskolinik because... You know, who's also a super guy. We got this dude, Fig, who's doing engineering and, you know, basically, you know, part of the production too. Um, but, but so we actually didn't, we didn't meet Fig yet at this point. We were doing pre-production. Um, and, uh, you know, Fig played with, you ever remember the band Amen? Yeah, I do remember that band. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he played guitar for them. Okay. So, um, that's just a side tidbit. We were surrounded by people that were, that respectful musicians, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like yeah. and people you admire. So we're fucking, you know, we went to this party over at Nick's one night and it was just one of those nights. Like there was like people there, like all around that, that we just respected. And Dave Grohl just rolls by and he's like, you know, we're just, you know, having beers with Dave Grohl and <laughs> chilling by this dude's pool. And yeah, you know, we're laughing. It was a good time. Um, I mean, one of the other things, dude, fucking Rudy Sarzo is there. And like, that was just like, what? You know what I mean? Like, he's just chilling there. And I remember him complimenting my King Crimson shirt. And I was like, oh, but, uh, you know, like, and he's talking, he was talking about fucking Randy Rose. It was just like surreal. You know, he's sitting there talking about like, you know, uh, Shannon, Shannon, Sharon Osbourne's book and about Randy Rose and all this shit. And I was like, how surreal is this? And so... You know, I, I guess it was like 2007, maybe. Yeah. So they were doing their what album was it with the Pretender? Um, oh, the, they were. Yeah, I remember that. I can't remember that. Uh, Wasting Light or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Wasting Light. Yeah. yeah, which is a great record. So, but they're like they're mixing that record um, in this studio called the Path, where we are about to come record. And I think that the first day of recording was we might have already just started or it might have been like the first day of recording that we were going to go in but so it's a few days after like it's like we did uh the pre-production and we're we're gonna go in and record or we just started and they're doing mixing next door and all the stars are kind of aligned and heaven and hell which we toured with later which was black sabbath what they called themselves yeah at that point um we're touring and um and basically, we wanted to go, and Pete uh, Stahl, who's also, he sang for the band. Yeah, I, I, I know Pete, and I've had Franz on the on the show before. There you go. Yeah. I, I got to hear that one. I didn't know he was on there. It's early. So, it was like one of the first like five or six episodes. Oh, sick. Yeah. I can't wait to fucking listen to that. So Pete like was working with us, but also our good friend. And 
he's like, you know, of course, Dave Grohl was in Scream with them. And so he's just like, look, man, we'll, we'll all go to the Heaven and Hell show. Dave's getting a bus and we're going to take the bus down to the show and just play, you know, party in the parking lot. And it was like, what? And he's like, yeah, he said you guys come along. That's so, awesome. So a little tidbit, and this is hilarious because anybody would go, yeah, right, whatever. Everybody has an excuse for why they got hammered that time. Believe me, I've gotten hammered terribly so many times in life where there just was no excuse. Just how my body chemically handled it that night or I was an idiot. Yeah. But this day in particular, Claude would back this up. We were doing these like fucking diet things <laughs> as the band. And, and it actually worked extremely well at that point. Um, but it was like these meals that would just get delivered because we were living in L.A. at the time. We yeah. were living in L.A. to record the album. So we were there for about a month and a half, two months. And so, like I said, we were only there about a week and a half, but we had just started these things. And that day we got this fish dish, uh, dish like this breakfast I didn't like or fish dish. And Claude was even there and he saw that I had my two meals. He's like, you didn't eat any of this. I was like, ah, dude, I don't fucking like that, man. I don't want, I don't want to eat that shit. So I didn't eat all day. And we go to this and he was like, well, you should have maybe, maybe have something. And I was like, I'll be fine. I'll eat later tonight. So we get on this bus and we go to, we're headed towards the heaven and hell show. And, um, you know, I won't throw out like everybody that was on there, but we'll just say, you know, Dave Grohl was there and there was a handful of other people that you would respect being around. You can, know? You, can you give us one other person on the bus? Uh, <laughs> might've been a member of the Pixies there. Oh, okay. Um, awesome. Yeah. But, um, so we're, we're basically in this bus and we're hanging out and, and Nick's there too. Nick Rasklin. So we're about to do an album with him. We yeah. just started to do an album with him. So we're on the way and, uh, basically we just, I think we're drinking Jack and Cokes. Everything's going nice. We're having laughs. He busts out this Icelandic schnapps. <laughs> Don't ask me. But I, all I remember is thinking it tasted like rye bread. Yeah. And in my stupid mind, like, I'll impress him because I could drink like, you know, I'm fucking can drink like crazy. I could do this. So doing that shot after shot of that. And we're joking about something. And I can remember being like, ooh, it's hitting a little hard. <laughs> and we're in the parking lot. I think I did another shot. Had another however many drinks and then there's shotgun and beers in the back and then we start shotgunning beers and i think that I, by this time i had so many shots and whatever that i like shotgun to beer and you know like that kind of party foul where you go to shotgun a beer like or not shotgun it was funneling beers they were funneling beers okay so we start funneling the beer and I got like all the way down and, and I kind of spit some out because I got, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like, Oh, and I was like, fuck, you know? And like, damn it. You know, like didn't impress everybody with drinking, you know, <laughs> like it's total 27 year old, you know? So fuck that. I just grabbed another beer and I think I went for it again. And, and then like, you know, did another shot or whatever happened. And then like, I just remember, I remember like coming across a couple other people in the parking lot, um, you know, and thinking this is so awesome. And then black <laughs> don't remember. It's all gone. <laughs> all I knew were stories after we were supposedly were following Dave Grohl around on the inside of the, Oh, it gets worse though. Don't worry. This is going <laughs> to hit ahead. So we're, we're following him around in the actual, um, arena. I think it was staples or whatever. And, uh, we're following him around in there 
And I guess like he even fell because he was hammered, not like me, but he was hammered. But I guess he fell. And then we tried to go upstairs to like, it was Dave Grohl. So they were going to like let him upstairs to hang out with Sabatis. It's before we would ever met any of those guys. So it was like, oh my God. I might cross paths with Geezer Butler and Tony Iommi and Dio and yeah. and fucking, you know, Vinny, Vinny Apice. And I'm like, dude, here we go. Like, and I'm, I'm not there, mind you, Chris, I'm not there. This is blackout. So <laughs> I don't even remember this, but supposedly they're trying to go up the steps and they kind of would looked at me and they're like, we're not letting that guy up, you know? <laughs> and so I think that I failed everybody on that. And so then and all the while, Claudio's like, he's over there and he's been having a blast, but he's kind of watching me deteriorate as he's done many times in life. And we do that for each other, but he's dealt with a lot of times where I've been like, it's been like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen with this guy? And so he's watching this kind of happen. And then we, I guess, eventually, um, from what I told, we went back on Dave Grohl's bus after the show. Um, and, uh, and I guess I was in the back. And I don't know, maybe partaking in other, you know, like maybe we smoked a little weed or whatever, but yeah. I know there was a little bit more. Maybe I, I think I tried to take another shot or whatever, but needless to say, whatever led to it, I projectile Reagan from Exorcist barfed all <laughs> over the back and I just continuously fucking vomiting in the bus, they had to, in the bus. Okay. They had to put me in a bunk and supposedly I would get up from the bunk in Led Zeppelin boxers, nonetheless, <laughs> which I had these boxers where Jimmy Page is like pointing out your ass or awesome. something. Yeah. And uh, but my pants. I mean, it's look. This is funny to to describe, and it's funny eleven years later. But let's face it, the next morning was just like I'm done. Yeah, I yeah. can never drink again. It was one of those it's like, like rock what bottom. Am I doing? Am I going to rehab? Yeah. Yeah. It was that, and uh, and so basically. I fucking, I, I was in the bunk and I would keep getting up and not like really knowing who was there and going to piss and just going right back to the bunk. Almost like, I think in my drunken blacked out mind, I was just sleeping in one of our, at that time we had been in buses. So yeah, yeah I was yeah. sleeping in, in buses that we had. <laughs> and they basically carried me out eventually to put me in a cab to take me back to where we were staying. And I fell flat on my face on the concrete. And, uh, yeah, I woke up the next day, like what the fuck happened? And in a blink of an eye, I had to go into that studio, you know, studio with a different, a whole different outlook on the whole thing. Like the day before it was all excitement and we made an incredible record and those dudes were awesome still, but forever I couldn't help being like, ah, dude, when he looks at me, all he thinks is that guy puked on my bus and he was a pain in the ass, you know, and I I saw him years later through Pete. And I apologize for it. And I still think even then, because I was go back to being awkward around people you respect. Yeah. I think I just was so awkward trying to apologize. I think like, you know, he was like, oh, dude, it's all good. It's water under the bridge. And I think I put my arm around him and Pete and I was like, oh, good. The band's back together. And he kind of looked and he was like, what the fuck? And he bounced, you know? So I was just like, oh, I guess I fucking flaked. I failed on that again. So if I ever cross paths again, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to mention it. I'm just going to be like, hey, man, good to see you. Well, dude, when, when <laughs> or maybe I, I won't say a word. <laughs> when when I met like, Dave, I had a bl- I had a, a bad brain shirt on, and he just started automatically talking about like old DC hardcore and stuff. And I I was really nervous, but after about ten minutes, I just felt like I was talking to a buddy, you know. 
Well, he is that way, and that's why I'm like, you know, like maybe someday it'll. I think that that's the thing is like we were hanging out with people we knew we would get along with so well. Yeah, and I feel like I literally puked on that scenario. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and you know, if there's a band that I think Coheed would work with very well touring, you know, a bigger band that we would do well supporting would be Foo Fighters. Oh, and definitely. Yeah. Could, yeah, you could only hope that that would happen someday, and if the puke thing put a bad taste, no pun intended, <laughs> hopefully uh, there's a way to get that taste out of there. But, you know, there's one other scenario like that with another band, and that is a tour story, and that was, a, you know, Download Fest in UK? Yeah, yeah. So in the Download Fest in the UK, I, I basically... Um, now, this is even, like, a little deeper, because I was I was ready to go home, you know? Yeah. We've been over there for about... Shit, I don't know if you remember... We would, uh, we would basically, um, there and stay there for five weeks. And, and that's not something we do as often anymore. I mean, if it was worth it, we would, but I mean, being over there can be, if you remember, like there was even payphone keeping in touch back then. Like, yeah, it was you tough. You didn't have cell phones. It was, it was crazy. So, you know, it's probably about 2008. We did have cell phones, but it cost an arm and a leg to make one call. Yeah. Um, and if you wanted to FaceTime, you were literally doing it through Skype on your computer. Um, so it was just, I was kind of at the ropes end and we had a bad show at download and, uh, I just got fucking hammered, like just, you know, carrying around a bottle of makers kind of hammered. And we were next door to a band that fucking loved since teenagers, you know, Jimmy world. Oh yeah. And I go into Jimmy world's dressing room with Claudio Yet again, he had to be the side man to this bullshit. He actually recorded it. I'm like, go in and I'm fucking like doing like this rap for him about goats or something. And they're just like, wow, this guy is so hammered. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's pretty painless and all. It's, it is whatever. But what happened after was just brutal. I went back into our dressing room. And meanwhile, I'm just, I'm just being a fucking idiot maniac because I'm just in bad brains you know yeah. <laughs> to use that again <laughs> um i'm i'm like you know I'm, i want to go home kind of shit you know like and uh and i'm blacked out and our guitar tech kevin comes up and he hugs me from behind and uh and like we're on steps on a trailer and i don't know if you remember but a lot of the festivals they still do it they'll yeah. use these like little stakes on the side of the trailers mm -hmm. to hold them down with rope and it was one of those stakes in the ground and I went back and my whole forehead sliced open wow. like on this fucking huge stake. And I had like five, I had to get five stitches that night. But so anyway, they're next door still in their dressing room and they watch and hear this whole thing. And so yet again, one of those mornings, <laughs> the next day <laughs> stitches in my forehead, got to go play a gig the next day, apologizing to everybody. I yeah. mean, shit. I really up the ante with them, but uh, so those are those are two pretty pretty fucked up good ones. They don't make it glamorous though. Well, no, no, but it's real. I mean that stuff happens. Like I've never been a big drinker, but the times on tour where I kind of let loose, I don't have a lot of memories of what happened after that. Yes, exactly. I've gotten a lot, you know, like through hard. Um, well, through hard falling, <laughs> yeah. I've like, you know, there have been times where like, and it could still happen in life. I have a lot of friends 
that I very much respect their decision to just stay away from it. But, you know, like I'll always know that I'm the type of person that, and I have, I've, I've, I've taken periods of time where I've just gone completely dry for months. And especially when my mom, uh, my mom, my wife was pregnant with, you know, my, our children, I would just be like, dude, I'm on tour. If I get a call, I can't be fucking hammered, you know? And so like, those were like big steps for me. In the existence, but I mean, I even have an embarrassing story from last year. Like, that's just like, ah, oh, dude, how did I get so hammered that that happened? And it was on tour, but it's just like, they are so few and far between finally in life where like, I'm finally at the point where like, and I know when it's coming, I have this kind of thing where I know like, oh, you're feeling that you want to get hammered kind of thing. And this yeah. could be dangerous. Are you doing okay enough in your life right now that you're going to go in that place? Cause if you go to that place, like your demons might take over, you know, like yeah. I'm not, and I'm not the type of person like, because I'm a bigger guy and people think I'll look angry that I'm going to want to fight. They'll be like, you dude, you look like you want to fight everybody. Well, I really don't. I'm not that type of person unless you fucking, you know, hit my wife or one of my kids or oh, yeah. one of my band members or a family member or something, you know, then I'm going to want to come at you. But other than that, I'm just fucking drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I am. And I just look like a, I call it baby brain when you get baby brained okay. and I rarely get fucking baby brained anymore, but I could tell when I'm like looking towards getting baby brained, like, and I know now in life, I'm not trying, this isn't a PSA, you know, but I, I know for me personally, if shit's fucked up and I'm very anxious and I deal with anxiety stuff and OCD stuff, I have a lot of things I deal with. And if I'm having episodes with that kind of shit or anything like that's going on, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. You know, I just have to stay away from it completely. So I never would have known that at 28, you know, or I did know it, but I wanted to ignore it. You know, like that's basically where we're at now. Well, and the thing is like, you're the same age as I am. We're both 40. And I think figuring that out and becoming a father, like I have two kids, you know, you have some kids and figuring out what works for you and what doesn't and how to control those things. I think we're still fairly young. We've got a lot of time left. (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm still learning, dude. I know you are probably too. You know, I mean, kudos to the person that thinks they got it figured out, but I ain't got shit figured out. Yeah. And I'm, I still fucking run into the same walls sometimes. And I'm like, really? I thought you had that. Well, no, because there was something else to be learned by it, you know, but Hey man, I mean, I told two stories that were kind of brutal. I have countless stories that are incredible. Great times. Well, here's, here's what we're going to do because uh, I, I tend to cap these around an hour. We're at about an hour 15, I want to, oh, ha- I want to have you back for a part two and all we're going to do is just talk stories. Yeah. Sounds good, man. So, uh, you know, what's coming up in the future. You said you guys are going on the road. Is there anything else in the future that you can tell us about? Well, yeah, we got, uh, we got, basically we got the show coming up, uh, the show's coming up with Mastodon and every time I die happening. And then we're going to be off for at least a little bit of time in July. And then after July, we're headed towards, uh, to Europe for a couple of shows. How you doing, man? Oh, sorry. Hold on one second, Chris. Okay. I'll be off in one second. How are you? Hey. Yeah. So uh, it's okay. Um, so basically, we're gonna do this um, this little run in Europe for festivals and stuff, and then after that, we're going to come home and uh, 
and spend a little bit more time with the family. And uh, the only thing that's announced is in October we're doing something exit one eleven or something. Uh, shit, man, it's it's a festival, and I should know the name right off the bat. But it's pretty sick because Guns N' Roses plays the same night as us, and oh, I'm hoping awesome. that we can hang out and stay and watch them. It's a great lineup, actually. You know, I'm I'm super excited for it. Cool. But yeah. So uh, what yeah, are, what are, where what are, are you at? Where are you at right now? I am in Muncie, Indiana, in the middle of the country. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm on the same time as you though. It's weird. It's like Eastern time, like jets over into Indiana, but it's like above us in Chicago and Michigan, they have different time. So, but do you want to come to a show? Is there a show that's closest to you? Uh, I mean, I'm going to figure it out. I'm, I got to look at the tour dates, but yeah, dude, if there's a show close, I'm fucking there. Yeah. Text me, man. Let me know. Awesome, dude. Well, Hey, what's, what are the socials for you and your band? So, uh, so everybody can check it out. Well, I'm just Trav Stever on Instagram, and the band is, you know, Coheed and Cambry on Instagram. And then Facebooks, there's like, you know, uh, artist page um, for Coheed. I have an artist page, a couple other projects, you know, uh, there's artist page for those. But I mean, you know, to, li- to really link up to see all the band stuff is to just to go to the Facebook or the website. Okay. And you see all the dates. And then, of course, Twitter. It's just, I, I think it's just Coheed and Cambria. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, man, I'm telling you, this was an amazing chat, and I, I I'm gonna have you back in the future. I want to hear all the stories, and if there is a show close to me, I'm there, and we're hanging out, man. Yeah. Look at him right now. If you want, I could send you, or well, you know, just just hit up like the the website and tell me if there's anything close, and and cool. I would love for you to come out if you want to bring the family, whatever. Yeah, definitely, man. Know. And it's been so nice reconnecting with you. I know it's been like years and years since we've seen each other. I know, and we went on, and the interview went on all about this other sh- shit. But you know, maybe like you know, talk about like even some of the stuff, like because we had a lot of times on our tours, you know. But it's like, it's yeah. like we got into you get on tangents about other stuff, you know. Well, I'll definitely but, have you back for a part two, and we'll talk about everything, man. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, hey, I know. I know you guys are doing rehearsals uh, coming up, so good luck with that. And I can't wait to hopefully see you guys on the road. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it, too. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, hopefully you can come out. Well, Travis, have a great night, and I will talk to you soon, buddy. You, too. Bye. Bye. So there it was, my conversation with Travis from Coheed and Cambria. I hope you guys enjoyed that. The tour that he was talking about with Every Time I Die and Mastodon, that has concluded. This episode was recorded quite a while ago, but I'm sure they've got other dates coming up. So go on over to CoheedandCambria.com and see if they're coming to your neck of the woods because you don't want to miss them. They are one of the most amazing bands I've ever seen, and they're just awesome. And their new record, The Unheavenly Creatures, is so good. They have not lost a step at all. I mean, I love all their records. I'm always a fanboy, but Coheed is is one of my bands, and I I love them. So check out their new record, The Unheavenly Creatures. And uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Thank you guys so much for checking this out. Next week on the show, Mr. Daryl Wilson from The Bull Weevils, one of my favorite Chicago punk bands. Daryl's got a crazy story, man. Not only is he the singer in this amazing punk band, he's an emergency room doctor. So we talk about all kinds of cool stuff. So come back next week for episode number 61 with Daryl Wilson from the Bull Weevils. We have so many great guests coming up. So please keep checking out TOTOTpodcast.com. You know, subscribe, review, rate on all the apps, wherever you listen to, to podcasts. We're on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere you can listen. We exist. So 
Thank you so much. I'm going to get out of here. If you guys want to be a sponsor, hit me up, tototpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to be eligible for the Merge 4 contest, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash tototpodcast. And that's it. I'm out of here. I'm going to play a really, really cool song that I love off of Coheed and Cambria's new record, The Unheavenly Creatures. This song is called Unheavenly Creatures. Thank you very much. We'll catch you next week. Chris out.
Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com.